Hey, this is Alex from Atlanta, and I never listen to Whenever I Get Around to It with Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Just like riding a bike, everybody. Good times. Welcome to episode 331 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, as she always does, you just can't shake a good thing. My co-host, Brittany Page. We're back. <laughs> we are back. We had some issues. Would you like to tell the audience what the issues are? Before you do that. What was that? Before you do that, I want to say that... She wants to say, everybody. It's both nice and extremely stressful to get messages from the listeners. Oh yeah. <laughs> when there is not an episode because we we had emails. I tweets. only look at it as nice. You get very stressed out about it. I it almost ruins my day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cuz people because send I, us like, "Hey, where's the episode?" Yeah. We we get we get promos to the show about Hey, this is Alex and Hubba done. Whenever you get around to it, uh, they're just as bad as the death threats. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> So I think they're coming after me, and wow. I'm very intimidated by it. I know that they mean well. They are saying they miss us, but we had some people who were like, I'm upset. Where is the episode? Yeah. And so I, I genuinely feel as though I'm letting people down, and really, it's your fault, so I shouldn't feel that way. It's and my you fault should, because I'm not a tech guy. You should help me not feel that way. Oh, uh, yeah. That's not going to happen. No. Oh. But I'm. it's a technical issue. Mm-hmm. We, I'm running out of memory on my goddamn laptop. Yeah. And we don't have some kind of a crazy setup here. Uh, I'm running off my laptop, which is a high-performance machine. Mm. But that wasn't meant to be braggart. I don't need the mmm. I don't I'm need that. Acting impressed by it on your behalf. I didn't need impressed. I don't need anybody to be I, impressed. I, it's I just felt, what it is. I felt as though you did, and so I was trying anyway, to help you out. Anyway, so yeah. So we have a new hard drive, a three terabyte, and I transferred a shit ton of audio and and video over. Mm-hmm. And uh, things are things are good. Things are copacetic. Things are back to the way they should be. Anyway, we're back. So thank you, guys. We appreciate all of the love and all the support, all, all of the messages of concern and guilt. All of them are good. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you guys and love you a lot. So before we move on, it isn't lost on us that there's an episode from this week that is missing. We will make that up. The technical difficulties have been remedied, and we are going to make that up next week with three episodes. Hashtag third episode. We were going to do one for Friday, but we have the Patreon Google Hangout on Friday, so we thought we probably wouldn't have time for that. So we're doing the Patreon Google Hangout. Are you saying ain't nobody got time for that, Brittany Page? Didn't say that, but <laughs> that's what I meant. And so we're doing the the Google Hangouts this Friday and Saturday. 
Hope to see you there. I guess I should not say that they're Google Hangouts anymore. We're using Zoom now. You should have received a message last time how to set it up. Follow those instructions. Do- <coughs> wow, that was... Take a few days off and all of a sudden you you revert back to puberty, Brittany mm. Page. We are we are doing a video conference. How about that? Yes. Our video conference call with the Patreon supporters. Yeah. It's nice because it does it looks like the Brady Bunch opening. <laughs> I like it on all the right. screen. Well, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time. I love the Brady Bunch. It's a good time. So before we move on, we do want to talk about this. Um, we've been ta- hinting at an event that was being planned and in the works. And for those of you skeptics and outspoken atheists in our audience, we are going to be having an event on October 19th, which is a Thursday, with Michael Shermer, Dr. Nichols, Ryan Nichols, and Dr. Douglas Navrick from the Cal State University Fullerton. Well, one is alum, Dr. Shermer, Michael Shermer, and the other two are are professors. Yep. And we're going to be talking about morality. Mhm. What is the the title of the of the deal? Solving moral fact, dilemmas. Why don't you just talk about it since I really don't know what I'm doing? Solving moral dilemmas. How do we know what's right? So if you listen to the bonus episode with Dr. Navrick, then some of these issues were discussed. And Navrick disagrees with Shermer on a lot of the issues surrounding how we determine what is moral. Uh, if, if I were to compare it to something, I would say that uh, Dr. Navrick aligns more with a Dennis Prager type in terms of there not being an objective morality aside from God. Yeah. God gives the objective morality. That is right. So anyway, this event is dedicated to discussing some of that, discussing some articles that have been written in Skeptic Magazine by Dr. Navrick and... It will be Thursday, October 19th at 7.30 p.m. at the Titan Student Union Theater. And there is a Facebook event set up on the I Doubt It With Dollamore Facebook page, or you can go to dollamore.com slash events with an S. Yes. Dollamore.com slash events. Yeah, so the panel, we, me and you are going to be moderating the discussion, and it will be live on the Fullerton campus. We are going to record it and release it as a podcast, and we're talking about possibly video stuff. We haven't confirmed that yet, but there's going to be a discussion from 7.30 to 8.45, and then following that, there will be book signing with Michael Shermer and refreshments. And it is free. So if you like cookies, come on out. Cookies will also be free. And have some cookies. As many cookies as you can fit in your mouth. I'm sure there's enough for everyone to have as many that will fit in their mouth. But you can also come out and take a (laughs) selfie with us and get some stickers. We'll be there. We'll have some stickers. Um, You'll be there's going to be a book signing with Michael Shermer. It's free. And listen, if you're in the the local area or are going to be in the local area, we would encourage you to come by. We would love to meet you. We'd love to hug your neck, shake your hand if you're not a hugger. Uh, It really is going to be a good time. So We'll we'll hug you. I'm a hugger. We'll hug you. Are you a hugger? Am I a hugger? See, that's an interesting question. It depends. See, yeah, that's... 
whenever someone answers a question with that's an interesting question I think you can be assured that the answer is eh, usually no I'm thinking of a specific situation recently in which I did not want to be hugged by someone because I'm a hug guy yeah, but there's certain situations where you do not want to be hugged by someone who's trying to hug you. you well, to... I don't usually let like smelly homeless people hug me. It was not a smelly homeless person. It was just a... Was it a farter in an elevator? No, it was just <laughs> someone who should not hug me. We're back, everybody. <laughs> we are back. I don't know how to give details. Just All go right. look through my Facebook. Before we move on, let's get to a couple of voicemails that we received. In our absence, it usually is the case that... Things start to pile up, and it seems like a lot of time has spanned between our last episode and the things that were happening and now. One of those things was a call from from a, a gentleman in Harlem named Ethan who said some things that I did not appreciate, and I I took him to task on the show, and we have we have some some emailers and some some listeners who who wanted to respond, and rather than just leave it at as I wanted to leave it at what it was, I'm going to let the listeners also sound off. Well, I also want to, before we do that, say that Ethan wrote in and was not happy with the way that things went down. And he said, we didn't listen to all of his voicemails. Uh, To be fair, he sent in nine voicemails, three minutes each. That's almost 30 minutes of voicemails. Yes. We did not listen to all of those because they were 30 minutes worth of voicemails and they were all yelling as well. So we didn't listen to them. Um, But additionally, just to kind of give his defense that he gave of himself for the smiling comment, he said that he was smiling because it was uh, his mind was quote, so blown by the absolute shock and awe. So he, that's his defense for saying that he was sitting there smiling. I'm sitting here with, and it's a lot of my people that's doing the same thing sitting here with a huge fucking smile on my face. Seriously, tell me, how does it fucking feel? So that's what I, I just want to say what he, what his defense was. So this is from CJ. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, this is CJ from Washington. I just wanted to comment on the call from Ethan in episode 330. As a black man in America that grew up in Kentucky and has seen the KKK and neo-Nazis have rallies on the courthouse steps, I am upset and angry to hear the hate-filled comments in that call. Heather Hare was a good person who happened to be born white and afforded the luxury of white privilege that instead of looking the other way, chose to use her privilege to combat racism, bigotry, and hate for those of us that are victimized by it. Heather Hare gave her life for a cause that benefits minority groups more than it would benefit herself. We celebrate our heroes that fought for us in the black community. And just because Heather Hare was white doesn't mean she should be seen as any less of a heroine. Her life and death will be, will open the eyes of many who looked the other way and served to nudge those who have been on the fence and or dismissive to be on the right side of history. Her death is a travesty that could and should have been avoided, and the unapologetic Nazi racism scumbags who say she deserved it are giving us the ammunition we need through their comments to turn good-natured people, of which I believe there are many, to our side and cause. Her death hit home for many people, believe it or not. Tons of white people don't see the things we see as black people every day, so these white people are cautious to believe people when they never hear anything that confirms it, and everything they see in their lives contradict what they're being told. 
Heather's death has given the cause a decent, beautiful person's death. And that, in the majority white America, white Americans can look at and relate on some level, as in, what if that was me or my wife, sister, daughter, niece, mother? Heather's death isn't to be smiled at. Her death is to be remembered and attributed to the racist Nazi bigots and their so-called movement, the alt-right, which is not to be confused with all white people or even all right-wing Republicans. I love the show and YouTube channel. Keep moving that conversation forward. Brittany is the best part because she is as metered as I wish I could be, but I'm a little more like Jesse, which is why I wrote rather than call in. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, thank you, CJ. Um, those are beautiful sentiments. Well, well stated far more articulately than I could have. One, I don't live those experiences. I, I can only take a stab at empathy as I often say, and what you expressed was was spot on in my estimation. So thank you very much, CJ. So we have another email from Tyrone. Hello, I recently started watching Jesse on YouTube. Love the videos. I then started binge listening to the podcast. Love that too. I want to comment on a voicemail from your latest podcast. I think the guy's name was Eugene. He said he had a big smile on his face from the woman killed during the Charlottesville protest. I'm sitting here with, and it's a lot of my people that's doing the same thing. Sitting here with a huge fucking smile on my face. I'm a black male, 31 years of age. I agree with the caller on a few things, but I vehemently disagree with the way he spoke about the victim. I hate how some people in the black community attack allies from a different race. It infuriates me. I don't think every white person is racist, but unfortunately we have people that do. When I'm having discussions with people in our community, sometimes I hear white people never stand up for us. But when they do, those same people will say, stay out, stay out of black people's issues. There is nothing you can do to help. Look, this is not the majority of our community, but they are out there. When I speak up and explain that there are white people who honestly do care about fighting racism and that not all white people are racist, I'm usually called a quote-unquote coon or Uncle Tom by those in our community with this ideology. I do not get it. So fuck that caller. As a progressive and atheist, I agree with most of your guys' views. I appreciate the content and will support you guys as soon as I can. Tyrone. Tyrone, thank you very much. Listen, um, I did get shot eyes when I played Ethan saying he had a huge fucking smile on his face by Brittany the second time. And the, the reason I'm playing it again is because I want it. It needs to be a constant reminder of why I'm so upset by this. I don't believe there's any justification for attacking someone who is standing in the gap for people who are in marginalized communities like the black community. She was an ally of Black Lives Matter. There is no smile to be had. There is no how does it feel. There's no I'm not saying that she deserved to die, but... None of those things are appropriate. None of those things are helpful. And maybe I'm a little zealous with the reminders by playing the clips. But that's that's what it is. So we have another email from Chrissy. Chrissy. Chrissy from Baltimore. 
Hi, guys. This is addressing the voicemail from John in episode 330. And while this is not directly related to Charlottesville, I need to say something about what he brought up. While I agree with the sentiment about being disgusted to be white and with those that blame their failures on other races, the way you got to the point by blaming millennials, I'm not on board with. I'm 20, so being a millennial myself, I see the whole participation trophy concept differently. As you said, you grew up with second place is failure, and from where I stand, this originated from my parents' generation, aka your generation, being upset that the kid failed. Kids will always be upset about not being the best, as I'm sure you were upset when getting second place as a child. What shapes the child is how their parent reacts, whether that's to be... Whether that is turned into a teaching moment or if the parent gets mad on behalf of their child and causes a fuss, creates the whole idea of a participation trophy. Children do not have enough influence to make adults purchase extra ribbons to distribute to the kids that didn't get first place. Their parents do. So before you go blaming millennials for being entitled, take a moment to consider who raised them. And this is coming from someone who also personally subscribes to the idea that second place is a failure, just by the way. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Chrissy wow. from Baltimore. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Oddly enough, I don't subscribe to the to the the notion that second place is a failure. Second place is second place. Second place is good. Second place out of fifty is great. Second place out of two, eh, not so great. Kind of a loser. So really you need more context than just if you're second place, you're a loser. I, you know, I was an athlete in high school mm-hmm. and used to subscribe to second place is only the very first loser. But yeah, I've mellowed in my older age. I was also an athlete. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was in cross country for three days. Until you found out what? Well, I what didn't. Made you, what made you quit Cross country, Brittany Page. The running. You found out <laughs> that that's all it was, was running. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. All of these kids are coming here to run for hours. <laughs> I'm not doing this. I don't know what you thought it was. I don't know. I think a lot of times I just wanted the outfit. That's why <laughs> the I The outfit? Yeah, I wanted to be... In the little short shorts? Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to be a In cheerleader the for the same reason. Yes. In the winter time. Yes. Because that's a fall sport. Mm-hmm. God damn. All right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for your communications with the show. We have one more communication. We have in the past had people write poetry that we have read on the show. We may have played one or two. But I am often in awe of the talent and the passion and the dedication and loyalty to the show that our audience has. And this is just one more example of that. The world is bleak, I doubt it. The world is weak, I doubt it. We never win anymore, I doubt it. Hate doesn't get under my skin anymore, I doubt it. I doubt love has taken a back seat to the soulless beat of this administration's non-existent heart. I doubt reason has totally gone away, and I know that though life seems drab and gray, we are all waking up and preparing to make a better start. We are waking up. That I do not doubt. Because with voices like Jesse D and minds like Brittany P, I believe that together we can all make it out. So let's move this conversation forward. 
toward uplifting our druthers, toward understanding one another and not branding one another, but fighting like hell to love and accept one another, toward finding middle ground around sound conclusions with profound collusions of logical minds and empathetic hearts, toward building a world where we all strive to arrive in a place where none is deprived, where everyone thrives for the rest of our lives. We work only to love our sisters and lift up our brothers. Yes, let's move the conversation as a great migration to places that will end segregation, that will defend cooperation, and will, my friend, transcend an ugly and despicable alienation. Let the sound of our voices become our voice. Let the hounds of hell loose to defend her choice. Let us untie the noose and together rejoice in the freedom and rights, the ability of us all to stand up and fight and to persist and insist that we immediately see that son of a bitch's tendered resignation to places that no longer practice homophobia and bigotry, where minorities are looked at as players in real-life horror movies, but to places that instead embed ideas of a unified symmetry, places where empathy and sympathy are not just words unheard by the oligarchy, that fucked up hierarchy that insists on pissing on the rights of us, trying to extinguish the lights in us, working feverishly to distinguish the thems from us, to get us and sit us in the back of the bus, to stick us in camps and in us make us the enemies, no, we start by moving the conversation forward toward a brighter day. We start by living our lives, by giving our lives as if our lives were dependent on others giving their lives. We do the work of the yeoman by being shitty to no one and treating everyone like someone. Let this be our new paradigm. So run it, move it, get that Britney groove in it, stretch it as forward as possible and get the word out. Get the message out to as many ears as we'll hear that we are here to cheer for the lesser among us. We are here to jeer at the bullies in front of us. And we are here to steer this country to a better place. One podcast at a time. I really hope that that moved you all as much as it did me. Even this, after listening to it several times. Um... That encapsulates what Brittany and I try to do here on this show episode after episode. And thank you, Brett, for that. That was awesome. Yes. I want to say that my favorite part is about me and the groove. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thank you for that. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. I I don't know what to say. I I don't have... Well, it's also... It's yeah, Jesse's got a great voice. Brittany has the brain. Of course you love it. But I like being complimented on my <laughs> exceptional music taste. The groove. Well. Yes. Um no, I I don't have that ability. I am not a creative person, so anytime I I hear poetry and I mean that's just incredible that that he wrote that. So. It's like magic. It's just not a skill set you have. No, not at all. Yeah. And never will have. So I couldn't. I seriously, I am no Seuss, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I was looking up words that rhyme with other words the other. Like I couldn't even think of them on my own. I'm like, what rhymes with this? There's sites for that. Yeah. Well, listen, th- those are beautiful sentiments, and really, it does. It does. It, it does embody what we try to do here and how we feel about things. And uh, I am in awe of the talent and passion. And loyalty that our audience has. So thank you very, very much. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. 
Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Erica. Erica. Barbara. Barbara. James. James. And this one isn't new, but it's kind of new. Alexander. Alexander. Oh, Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. See, he was someone who, before we switched from per episode to monthly, which we're now on on Patreon, we're monthly rather than per episode. Which was, what was that? Five months ago? Six months ago? Uh, Probably four months ago. Four months ago. Okay. Okay. And he was giving a certain amount per episode. And he just now switched it over to monthly and sent us an email to let us know, hey, I finally did that. Well, I didn't know there were still people who were uh, unswitched over. Yeah, so... So we're going to take this opportunity to say, if you are a listener and you're still giving on the per-episode platform like we did before... Yeah. uh, Let's say you were given 25 cents an episode. Well, that means now you're given 25 cents a month as opposed to... $2 $2 a month before when, because we're eight episodes a month. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, I had no idea there were still some some holdovers, which is fine. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We're not bitching. I'm not complaining. But I wanted to, you know, one more time, get the message out there. Yes. The other way you can support the show is go to dollamore.info and buy a classy laid shirt, a classy laid hoodie, a classy laid or just a regular old I doubt it with Dollamore logoed um, mug or tote. Help me out here. T-shirts. Yep. Hoodies for the win- summertime. The, 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 the first <laughs> <laughs> the first shipments have gone out and we're seeing pictures of people. Yes. Oh, you're the puppet shirt. Yes. Mikey. Yep. And uh, Henry in Texas. Yeah, Henry. Brett and Lisa. Henry uh, from Texas attended a rally against white supremacy in Austin, and he wore his shirt. He was a speaker. Yeah, he spoke, and he was on the news, and so it was really exciting to see the shirt featured at these events, but also to see Henry kicking ass at such a an awesome event. And I ordered my own classy laid tote, so I'm doing my part too, everybody. <laughs> Um, I have my friend Ben. He ordered a classy laid T-shirt. Yeah, and he's holding it over. Not just for the laid. He's holding it over my other friend's head, saying that he's more supportive than her. So you know, those are fun games that you can play as well. <laughs> uh, classy laid. Dollamore.info. We appreciate you guys and love you tremendously. Believe me. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, it was rather serendipitous that we had our technical difficulty this week, and it was the same week that Brooke Baldwin. <laughs> Brooke Baldwin had a moment when describing the chaotic month that Donald Trump has had. So, so much so that she had to take a drink in the middle of listing off the shit show that has been this month for Donald Trump. So this will kind of give you a a slice, give you a taste, 
an array of some of the problems that Donald Trump has collected and contributed to his own list of problems. Um, Here it is, and this should get us caught up to where we are today. It has been a chaotic four weeks, even by these White House standards. So let's just all take a moment, just remind you what has happened. Incredibly significant events, one after the other. So in no particular order, President Trump in the last four weeks has uh, fires his chief strategist, fires his chief of staff, hires a new one, hires a new communications director, fires him, hires a new one, his fourth in seven months, publicly shames his attorney general multiple times, loses a health care bill, publicly shames the three Republicans who voted against it multiple times, bans transgender individuals from the military without telling the military, ticks off the Boy Scouts, makes up a phone call with said scouts, makes up another phone call with the president of Mexico, thanks Vladimir Putin for expelling Americans, hundreds of them, takes days to sign a bipartisan sanctions bill and then blasts Congress for making him sign it, condemns leaks, but then says he likes the leaks because it shows people love him. Hold on a second. (laughs) Sorry. This is long. Encourages people, uh, encourages police officers to be rough with suspects during arrests. Publicly shames the Republican leader he needs to get anything done uh, multiple times. Embraces an unpassable immigration plan that sparks a debate about the Statue of Liberty and the definition of cosmopolitan. He threatens North Korea with nuclear war, tells Guam it'll help tourism. Then his own chief strategist calls his bluff and says, nah, there's no military option in North Korea. Threatens Venezuela with a military option. After a Nazi rally in which someone was murdered, the president blames both sides. After the backlash, cleans it up, denounces those white supremacists, but then hours later erases all of it and makes everything worse by again blaming both sides, saying there were fine people there. No, they weren't. They were Nazis. Uh, Suggests there's no difference between George Washington and Robert E. Lee publicly shames CEOs who abandon him, then loses two of his entire jobs councils after execs jump ship, considers a pardon for, of all people, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, all the while he's facing these accusations of racism. Uh, By the way, plugs his winery in Virginia when asked if he will, as president, visit Charlottesville, Uh, tells the world to study a lie during a terror attack, and gets condemnations from Democrats, Republicans, former presidents, world leaders, allies, his own staff, and the Pope, and still, still has no regrets. I don't think that even brought us up to Bannon being fired slash quitting or whatever the fuck went on there. Mm-hmm. It's all just a blur. Really, this is, these are self-inflicted wounds. In the in the service, there's a there's a chant that they make you say in the Marine Corps, and I can't remember what it is, but it's like stop, stop, start the breathing, stop the bleeding, or maybe it's the other way around. It's been a long time, but he's 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 starting the bleeding on his own. Mm-hmm. He's stopping the breathing on his own. These are self inflicted damages. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, folks, it doesn't get. uh, I'm at a loss here because it it shouldn't be any easier to cover 
this administration from a critical standpoint, and it's difficult to find the place to start because it's so chaotic. It is so multiple messaged from their communications uh, division, their department. Let's do this. Let's just go through a couple of the headlines that happened this week. One, and this kind of hits close to home for Brittany because she has been uh, on this train for a long time about people who are criticizing and commenting on Baron Trump, the child of Donald and Melania Trump. The Daily Caller, for whatever reason, because they did not have enough to do, because the eclipse wasn't enough to keep them happy, decided to criticize the clothing worn by Baron Trump. Uh, the headline was, you know, it's about time the president's son starts dressing the part. Some might suggest it's about time the Daily Caller, you know, keeps opinions like this to itself. People like Chelsea Clinton, <laughs> let me read this, I have it right here. Chelsea Clinton, in other words, says, it's high time the media and everyone leave Baron Trump alone and let him have the private childhood he deserves. Here's Sir Michael, of course everyone should let him have the childhood he deserves. Of course the Daily Caller should be criticizing his t-shirt, which, by the way, I like <laughs> and would wear myself because it's a very nice shade of red. I mean, John, he, he's a kid, for Christ's sake. You know, sometimes I think we really go too far in our political rhetoric and the things we, we tend to focus on. Allow him to be a kid. Yes, he's a kid in the White House, but at the end of the day, he should have all of the fun uh, and, and explorations as any other typical American kid. And if that means wearing a shirt and basketball shorts and maybe even a baseball cap if he wants to, let him do that. Let him enjoy being young because I can guarantee you when he gets older, he's going to wish he was young again. Well, this isn't a, a liberal publication. This is a conservative publication. Yeah, I believe the Daily Caller was started by Tucker Carlson from Fox News. So that's odd i think well it does show that maybe the tide is turning a little bit yeah well apparently the daily caller also hates j crew which has been experiencing um, a decline in business for some time because of their poor quality clothing this is what i've heard i've seen headlines i'm not saying i've read into it at all but um is he wearing j crew is that what's yeah, going on yeah it was on? a j crew t-shirt oh okay. which is expensive that's expensive i didn't know for clothing yeah right so well, what do they expect him to wear? Fucking tuxedos? He's an 11-year-old kid. <laughs> I mean, it's after six. Yeah, he needs to be wearing a suit at all times. Where's your evening suit, well, sir? They see and your cravat. They see the way Melania is dressed and reportedly wearing dresses that cost thousands of dollars. Yeah. And, and just going outside, going on to sit on a plane for hours. Going outside. You know, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand that. But that's fine. And but she's an adult. She's 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 uh, a target, a legitimate target. Well, no, I'm saying they don't criticize her for wearing expensive oh, clothing. It's yeah. just they talk about it. And then yeah. the, the clothes sell out because everyone wants to wear what she's wearing. Right. And then Baron is a kid. Why does anyone yeah, care listen, what he's wearing? It Baron doesn't matter. Isn't a Republican or a Democrat. He's a fucking kid. He also didn't have a choice to be Baron Trump. That's just where he was yeah. put. And that's the family he's in. And it's unfortunate, fortunate. There's pros and cons there. Yeah. <laughs> we could have that discussion. There but definitely are. He's, he's still a kid. So leave Baron Trump alone. And like Jonathan As Berman I said. fucking Chris Crocker this shit up here. Like Jonathan Berman said, it is a nice shirt. Was it's, it a nice it, shirt? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. 
What shirt was it? It said something about a tiger I, shark. I'm I don't kidding. know. I don't care. Tiger shark <laughs> or something. So the other headline, uh, the one there was one about uh, Steve Mnuchin's wife being a dumb bitch, getting off a plane oh. and talking about somebody's adorable life. We're going to skip that because I apparently just let everybody know how I feel about it. But the other thing is Donald Trump went on and on and on and on during Barack Obama's tenure as president of the United States about Secret Service having to protect him and his golf and his vacations. But apparently right now, the Secret, Cir- the Secret Service rather is actually having a very difficult time budget-wise covering Donald Trump and his extended family, which is almost 20 people. The multiple weekend excursions to Mar-a-Lago, the repeated visits to his golf club in New Jersey, round-the-clock security for the First Lady and their son inside Trump Tower in Midtown Manhattan until recently. Tonight, there's more scrutiny on the strain of those operations for the men and women who protect President Trump and his extended family. They are now working overtime hours they are not getting paid for. Today, Secret Service Director Randolph Alice said about 1,100 agency employees will work overtime hours this year that they won't get paid for without Congress stepping in. Alice pointed out in a statement, quote, This issue is not one that can be attributed to the current administration's protection requirements, but rather has been an ongoing issue for nearly a decade. Still, observers say Alice has a problem internally at the Secret Service. He has a lot of angry, frustrated agents who feel that they are giving more than they, can, than they should give by serving on these details. And the Trump details are taxing the Secret Service in unique ways. Unlike other presidents who made trips to Camp David, where military security is already in place, President Trump's made frequent trips to his resorts. Former Secret Service agent Larry Johnson says that creates more security challenges and longer hours for the agents. You're going to have to name check. You're going to have to do extra security because of access to individuals that may either be residents in that location or members of, a, of the golf club, etc. The logistics of the Secret Service is quite amazing when you talk about moving vehicles, moving agents, moving assets like uh, magnetometers. And Trump's large family, 18 members in all, travel often and need protection wherever they go. USA Today reports Trump's son, Eric, took a business trip to Uruguay earlier this year, which cost the Secret Service almost $100,000 just for hotel rooms. You may remember when the children, the three adult children, all went skiing. It cost quite a pretty penny in ski lift fees just for the Secret Service agents. Um, It costs uh, thousands upon thousands of dollars in golf cart fees when the family is in Mar-a-Lago because the Secret Service agents have to have golf carts to follow everybody around. This from a president who tweeted three years ago, quote, we pay for Obama's travel so he can fundraise millions so Democrats can run on lies. Then we pay for his golf. Today, the White House issued a statement saying the president is committed to ensuring the Secret Service has all the resources it needs. So it isn't just that Trump travels more, right? Yeah, for sure not. Although that that might be the case. Uh, It's also that he has more people in his family that need to be covered. So there were 31 people who had Secret Service protection in Obama's administration. And now that's up to 42 people. And that includes 18 members of his family. Yeah. I don't have a problem 
with the president of the United States and his family needing protection. For me, it is the blatant, bald-faced hypocrisy of him having railed and criticized for years and years and years Obama getting that same protection. That's the problem. Right. The problem also is the fact, and it it bleeds into the same hypocrisy thing, that Donald Trump is traveling every single weekend almost to this resort or that resort that he owns, that he is promoting surreptitiously, I guess, secondarily through his travels. Right. Well, this is someone who also said, I'm never going to leave the White House. Right. There's too much work to do. Yeah. I'm going to be working all the time. I'm not going to have time to golf. Well, what happened to that? He has time to do a lot of things. Apparently, the job's way easier than he thought it was. (laughs) Yeah. Because, you know, he's getting so much shit done, Brittany Page. Yeah. Just going by on autopilot. (laughs) Right. So, the other thing that happened this week is he gave a brief speech about what he was actually talking about. And that was expanding the width and breadth of our military forces in Afghanistan. A mini surge, if you will. Now, we're we're not going to get into much detail about that today, but just know that that is a stark reversal of his previous rhetoric. So we'll get into a little bit more detail. I want to look at the numbers and find out exactly what they're doing before I make a comment on it, but... Uh, Needless to say, it's hypocrisy of the highest order because it's Donald Trump and you can never really believe anything this fucking guy says. So next would be late last week, Brian Stelter, I guess it would have been this weekend, this past weekend. Yes. Brian Stelter on his show talked about some uncomfortable questions about Donald Trump. This was pre-Phoenix, Arizona campaign rally. This was during the weekend. Yes. Keep in mind, when he had this to say, these questions about the fitness and ability of our current commander-in-chief. Now, this was not a normal week, so this is not a normal show. President Trump's actions and inactions in the wake of Charlottesville are provoking some uncomfortable conversations, mostly off the air, if we're being honest. In discussions among friends and family and debates on social media, People are questioning the president's fitness. But these conversations are happening in newsrooms and TV studios as well. Usually after the microphones are off or after the stories are filed, after the paper's been put to bed, people's concerns and fears and questions come out. Questions that often feel out of bounds, off limits, too hot for TV. Questions like these. Is the president of the United States a racist? Is he suffering from some kind of illness? Is he fit for office? And if he's unfit, then what? These are upsetting, polarizing questions that they're uncomfortable to ask. But we in the national news media can't pretend like our readers and viewers aren't already asking. They are asking. This is how deep the country's divide has really become. My impression is that since President Trump's inauguration, there's been a lot of um, a lot of tiptoeing going on. His actions have been described as unpresidential, as unhinged, and, and sometimes even crazy. 
Now that word crazy can be interpreted several different ways. Uh, it gets said a lot more in private than it gets said on TV. For instance, this next soundbite was never meant to be heard on TV at all. Last month, Republican Senator Susan Collins was overheard on a hot mic saying that Trump's handling of spending was incredibly irresponsible. Democratic Senator Jack Reed responded by saying he thinks Trump is crazy. This is crazy. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't say that no, lightly and as a kind of, you know, a goofy guy. This week, Republican Senator Bob Corker questioned the president's stability. Watch. The president has not yet, um, has not yet been able to demonstrate the stability uh, nor some of the competence that he needs to demonstrate in order to be successful. Now, some Democrats, not surprisingly, have gone a lot further. California Democrat Zoe Lofgren asked if Trump has early stage dementia she said she wants a medical mental exam conducted. Another California Dem, Jackie Speer, called for Trump's removal under the 25th Amendment. And Al Gore said Trump should resign. We're also hearing this in some liberal corners of the news media and the entertainment world. Uh, you saw late night comics got very serious this week. Jimmy Kimmel made jokes about making Trump a powerless king, but he meant what he said about getting Trump out of office. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And I'm asking you, the people who supported Donald Trump, to step in and help for the good of this country. Mike Pence is ready. He's boring. He's relatively sane. He looks like a neighbor you might borrow a lawnmower from. <laughs> Let's get him in there before it's too late. Let's make America Great Britain again. Now, if you've picked up your Sunday paper, you've seen that the papers are filled with cries for change. This is the Los Angeles Times the liberal editorial board there saying enough is enough. Trump is, quote, a danger to the Constitution, a threat to our democratic institutions. Now, all this brings me back to those questions that are tough to ask out loud on national television. Is the president of the United States suffering from some sort of illness? Is he racist? Is he fit to be commander in chief? And one more. Is it time for objective journalists, and I don't mean opinion folks, I mean down-the-middle journalists, to address these questions head-on? And if so, how in the world should they do that? Well, that was on Saturday or Sunday. So it bums me out that we aren't going to have Alan Francis, Dr. Alan Francis, on the show until September 6th, because this would be a, a perfect time to talk yeah. to him. If, if you don't remember, Dr. Francis, we did a an episode with him, a bonus episode. We haven't announced yet that he's going to be back on the show. He's going to be back on the show. We're announcing it right now because <laughs> he's writing a new book that's coming out. He has written a new book that is coming out, I think, the day he comes on the show or that week about this very thing, about kind of this age of Trump. He said the title when he was on the show last time, and I'm, I'm... I'm blanking on it because, you know, that's what I do here as a consummate professional on the show, everybody. I remember things. <laughs> but he he has just written a book. He's coming back on the show. He is the man, if you don't remember, who wrote in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Psychology, which is kind of the Bible for psychology and diagnosing of psychological conditions. He wrote the part of the DSM on narcissistic personality disorder and he is opposed to labeling or diagnosing Trump as mentally ill. 
Right. His new book is Twilight of American Sanity. There it is. A psychiatrist analyzes the age of Trump. And Dr. Francis really goes to battle on Twitter with people who say, why won't you say that Donald Trump is mentally ill? Why won't you say that he's crazy? And I think the Brian Stelter clip kind of blurred the lines a little bit. But there there can be a conversation where someone says Donald Trump is unfit to be president yes. without saying he's mentally ill. That's right. And I think the speech that he gave in Phoenix was a perfect example of that. Which we're getting to next. Because it isn't as though we saw a different Donald Trump at the Phoenix rally. We didn't. We just saw someone who continues to not grasp the weight of their position and the power that they have. Also, the trouble they're already in. Yeah. I mean, he was told... Circumstances are more dire now than they've ever been, and he's doubling the fuck down. He was told not to talk about Charlottesville. Yeah. Or Joe Arpaio. And he spent... I don't know, 20 minutes talking Jesus. about Charlottesville. Unbelievable the amount of time he went on and on. He labored, belabored the point going over the timeline of his um, calling out racist groups and then didn't even really talk about exactly what he did. He gave a false timeline. He lied. But we can get to that. Yeah, so I just think that Brian Stelter, that was a great package but I think that there there needs to be more emphasis on this discussion of, well, he you can say he's not fit to be president. Yes. And you don't need to blame that on the fact that he has a mental illness. Well, fitness for office and, you know, I- initiating the 25th Amendment, which is a process by which you get rid of a president, uh, not through impeachment, but through not being fit for office. You don't need to diagnose a guy as nutty as fuck to get him out of there. You don't need some kind of a psychological diagnosis to do that. You, all you do is you gather the cabinet, the vice president, and you know through. I'm going to study it, and we're going to talk about it exactly. Maybe we'll get a lawyer on the show, true, to, to talk about exactly what it is. But you don't need that. Our founders weren't doctors. They they had no idea about psychological conditions in the late 1700s when they wrote the Constitution. Or when the 25th Amendment was passed. When the 25th Amendment was passed, they still thought homosexuality was a mental problem. So when they wrote that, it wasn't about... Anyway. Well, that would be a criticism that Dr. Francis agrees with you about. Well, no. In the field of psychology. Yeah, for sure that's a problem. But I'm saying that they didn't write it with mental illness. Like, oh, you've got to have a diagnosis. They're talking about laymen. If you see a guy, he's not acting right. Maybe he shouldn't be in there. That's what this thing's about, the 25th Amendment. So let's talk about his speech in Phoenix, Arizona. He Let's just briefly go over. He did, after counsel not to, he did hint at pardoning convicted racial profiler. Criminal contempt of court. He was convicted. He hinted that he's going to pardon Joe Pyle for that. He shit on John McCain. He shit on Jeff Flake. He shit on Mitch McConnell, who are all members of his own party, fracturing an already delicate balance of relationships between the White House and the Senate and the House. He's a great negotiator, though. 
false timeline of Charlottesville statements, lying, leaving out the fact that he said there were great people on the side of the Nazis. On many sides. Marching. Oh, there were so many good people arm in arm with those Nazis. It was a good time in Charlotte. Well, he also left out the part where he was condemning the violence and then said on many sides condemning the violence. Yeah. He didn't say on many sides at the rally. That's right. He left that part of it out. And that's a pretty important part of the statement that you made. Vitally important. In fact, that's the whole part that pissed everybody off. Yeah. So it might be the most important part. He went on to talk about how the cameras were being turned off. CNN was turning their cameras off. MSNBC turning their cameras off. They're, they don't want to. They don't want. I'm, t- I'm giving them too much grief. They're not broadcasting this now. Oh, look at all the red lights. Oh, they're turning off. They're turning off. Meanwhile, every fucking word he said was broadcast as I watched it live. Because it's actually good for them to show him acting like a madman. Threatened to shut down the government if Congress doesn't fund his wall because apparently Mexico isn't going to pay for the wall anymore. Yeah, doesn't need to add that in. Threatened to shut down the United States government over not having taxpayers pay for his wall. Lastly, he talked about his respect for Kim Jong-un in front of a crowd of what he said was 15,000, even though I've seen numbers that that particular arena only holds 5,000 people. So he's doing the same thing he did on the campaign trail, except he was a candidate then. Now he's president of the United States and leaning in to his own fucking lies. Well, directly after the speech, Don Lemon had this to say. If you watch that speech as an American, you had to be thinking, what in the world is going on? This is the person we elected as a president of the United States, this petty, this small, the person who's supposed to pull the country together. Certainly didn't happen there. Let's break it all down now. CNN political director David Chalian is here, political analyst April Ryan, political commentator Scott Jennings and Bakari Sellers, political contributor Maria Cardona, Republican strategist Rick Wilson. David, what did you think? Well, I thought that that was a president totally unhinged. I, there's uh, little doubt about that uh, for anyone watching. I, I, I do think you get at a point. This is, this is the evidence that backs up Bob Corker questioning his stability for office. This is the evidence as to why Susan Collins, another Republican senator, uh, isn't so sure he may be around to run for re-election uh, in 2020. This is evidence as to why the Republican leader in the United States, and again, I'm only referring to people from his own party in case people think uh, this is a a partisan political issue. It's not. Why Mitch McConnell, the leader of his own party, is telling people and associates, as we learned from the New York Times tonight, that he's not sure this presidency is going to uh, sort of fill out the duration of the term. And that was after the speech. Remember, the Brian Stelter clip we played happened before the speech, so there was already grumblings about the fitness, the mental acuity the ability of Donald Trump to serve out his term as elected president of the United States. Only minutes later, 
Don Lemon have James Clapper, who in one capacity or another, whether it be military or defense executive within the uh, executive branch, has served 10 presidents. 10 presidents. He has served as either defense intelligence agency chief or the director of national intelligence for George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama. He's not a partisan man. He has worked for both liberal Democrats and conservative Republicans. This is a man of honor. A man of decisive, sober thoughts. And he had these things to say that should leave everyone very alarmed about the state of the presidency. So I, I just find this uh, extremely disturbing. Are you questioning his fitness? Yes, I do. I, I, I really question uh, his uh, ability to, uh, his fitness to be in this office. And I also uh, am beginning to wonder uh, about uh, his, his motivation for it. Maybe, maybe he is looking for a way out. Uh, I do wonder as well about uh, uh, the people that uh, uh, attracted to, to, this, to the, this rally as, as others. Uh, you know, what are they thinking? Or why am I so far out uh, off base? Because I, I don't understand uh, the adulation. And of course, that's why I think he uh, gravitated to having this rally as ill-timed as it, as it is. Uh, he should have quit while he was ahead after last night. But uh, again, I think the, uh, the real Trump uh, came through. And again, as Bakari said, shouldn't be a big surprise to anyone. What should we do? What should Washington do at this point? You said you're questioning his fitness. There are many people who are saying it. They won't say it publicly. They don't have the courage that you do. Maybe after this speech they will now. It will become painfully obvious to, as it is to most Americans. What should we do? Well, I think, uh, you know, the key thing here is uh, where is he with uh, Republicans? And I was quite struck by Senator Corker's uh, remarks, very thoughtful and very, very measured. And uh, I've, I know Senator Corker, I've dealt with him, and uh, he is a very thoughtful senator. And uh, he wouldn't say that uh, lightly and, and without uh, forethought. And I'm hopeful that other uh, sim similarly thoughtful Republicans will reach the point where Enough is enough. Mm. Enough is enough. And what do you what do you mean? Be plain for us. Well, <laughs> that this behavior and this uh, divisiveness and the, and the complete uh, intellectual, moral, and ethical void that uh, the president of the United States exhibits, and uh, how much longer does the country have to? Uh, to borrow a phrase, endure this nightmare. Hmm. The New York Times is reporting
tonight about the falling out between the president and Mitch McConnell over the investigations of Russia's interference in the 2016 election. There you see the headline uh, up on the screen. The report says the president was furious that McConnell failed to protect him. You've called the accusations of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia worse than Watergate. What do you think is going on with the president? Why is this such a hot button for him? Well, uh, first, to be clear, Don, I... Uh when I left, certainly uh, on the 20th of January, I, I had not seen any uh, uh, evidence of a direct collusion between the Trump campaign, the Trump camp, and the Russians. There may have been collusion, but uh, I didn't have any uh, evidence of it. Um, so I don't understand, uh, frankly, the uh, president's uh, fascination and uh, uh, solicitation of uh, solicitousness of uh, Russia and Putin, uh, particularly unless uh, he feels he's, he's a kindred soul, perhaps. Uh, so it is it is very strange to me, um, uh, and I I don't have an explanation for it. I don't know if it's collusion or something else. You have you said you question his his fitness. Is he a threat to national security, the president? Well, he certainly could be. Uh, again. Um, Having some understanding of of the uh, the levers that a president can exercise, um, I worry about, frankly, uh, uh, you know, the uh, access to the nuclear codes. Uh, if he, in a fit of pique, uh, he decides to uh, do something about Kim Jong Un, uh, there's actually very little uh, to to stop him. Uh, the system, the whole system's built. Uh, to ensure a rapid response if, if necessary. So there are very little uh, in the way of controls over, uh, you know, exercising a nuclear option, which is uh, pretty damn scary. Very, very scary. A missile can be launched within 10 to 15 minutes at the very longest period of time. So what kind of stopgap measures do we have in place for an unhinged man who is operating unchecked if he truly has some kind of a condition. We don't know. I'm not saying he does. I'm really not saying he does. But what mechanism do we have if we do have... Let's not even say it's Donald Trump. Let's say it's someone else. If Barack Obama had a psychological condition late onset in his life, in his presidency and started acting erratic and dangerous and was a threat to the national security of the country, we have to have a mechanism to stop that from happening, to stop him from being able to act, whether it be uh, malicious or not, or just a symptom of his condition. Well, we have to be able to stop that. Luckily, Donald Trump has a great plan to deal with uh, North Korea and Kim Jong Un, which is to just compliment him and praise him. <laughs> and well, it works for him. If you compliment him, it's like petting a cat and he purrs. Yeah. Well, it's working really well because you know Rex Tillerson praised Kim Jong Un's restraint, mm. right? And then hours later, Kim Jong-un 
appeared in state media ordering more warheads. Yes. So but announcing a new warhead. The plan is going a solid booster rocket. The plan is going fantastic. Swimmingly, yes, everybody. Just beautiful. So Donald Trump spent an hour and fifteen minutes dividing the country, dividing Democrats, dividing his own party. The only people he really united were the 31% that make up his base. The next day, giving a scripted speech, not unscripted like he was giving in, in Phoenix, because that's the real Donald Trump, is the one who doesn't have a teleprompter in front of him. Giving a scripted speech the next day after being so derisive, this is what he said, reading from the teleprompter once again. It is time to heal the wounds that divide us and to seek a new unity based on the common values that unite us. We are one people with one home and one great flag. Who are these morons? We are not defined by the color of our skin. <laughs> the figure on our paycheck or the party of our politics. We are defined by our shared humanity, by our citizenship in this magnificent nation, and by the love that fills our hearts. And I know, I speak for all of you, when I say our hearts beat for America. Our souls fill with pride every time we hear the national anthem. This is the spirit we need to overcome our challenges, to pursue our common destiny, and to achieve a brighter future for our people. We will win. Watch. We will win. This is the future we can build together if we have the courage to act, the strength to endure, and the patriotism to join together with true affection for our fellow citizen. My favorite thing about uh, Donald Trump is how he... Color of his hair? No. How you can't tell when he's speaking off the cuff and when he's reading from a teleprompter. It's... It's impossible right. to tell. Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah, he yeah. just, it's amazing. Who knows? Yeah. You can read, I could have you read mm -hmm. remarks that were delivered. Yeah. Both off the cuff and scripted. And we would know what you were reading. That wasn't the case with, with Barack Obama. That wasn't the case with Bill Clinton. That wasn't the case with Ronald Reagan. I don't even think that would be the case with George W. Bush, who wasn't a gifted orator. Donald Trump is so inept at his job, just fucking talking he can't do right. With his hand up here in his well, weird, like, given the okay symbol or whatever he's doing with his hands. I think part of the problem is he doesn't mean it. 
So it's not just that he... It's just so wildly insincere, he can't fake it. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. not just talking off the cuff versus reading from the teleprompter. It's genuine and not genuine. It's speaking from the heart, not speaking from the heart. Something that he's forced to say yeah, so, versus so, something he wants to say. So, so when he says... Many good people on all sides. Lots of good people on the Nazi side. Look, you can't demonize them. They're good people. He means that. That's real. But when he says, we want to condemn all of the Nazis and KKK, like it's a fucking hostage video, then <laughs> then that's the fake guy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it's robotic, Yeah. these words are hard. Let me... <laughs> Look from teleprompter to teleprompter. Yeah. Ugh. Well, and, and the thing is, he's really great at insulting people and just generally being a dick, but he's not good at off-the-cuff love guy. Well, because he's not love guy. He doesn't inspire. He's not kind. No. Um, Watching this rally in Phoenix was... I mean, it's it's basically like torture. It was like torture <laughs> because no, it's it's very depressing. No, look, you're telling me I'm the guy who gets upset by this stuff. I'm the guy who gets very bothered. Well, and it's embarrassing as I well. I have to unplug. It's very very embarrassing, and the protesters. I just hearing the things that the not protesters, the Donald Trump supporters that showed up to the rally were saying and and yelling at people about John McCain needs to die already and show me your papers. I just, I'm very, I feel sad about everything that's going on. That's justified. And he's not making it better. He's making it worse. And it's embarrassing that we have a 71-year-old president who can't even fake it he can't fake it he can't try to pretend like he wants to bring people together he doesn't want to and he won't even pretend i knew you were going to do something (laughs) i knew something was coming all right everybody we're going to end it there we love on that you guys that positive uplifting note do you got something positive i don't all right I really do not. <laughs> we love you guys and appreciate you. Thank you for your patience while your tech-averse host and co-host, because Brittany was no goddamn help at all. I didn't even know there were technical problems. I didn't even know we didn't do an episode until people started sending me <laughs> complaints. That's how detached you yeah. are. That's great. Like, oh, wait, there wasn't one? Sorry. Listen, if you'd like to to sound off and communicate with the show, I didn't drop the number earlier, but 657-464-7609. We would love to hear from you. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Those are the ways. If you are on the fence about supporting the show on Patreon, helping to produce the show, you can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon dollamore.com slash paypal or dollamore.com slash amazon where you can buy a bunch of shit there's also dollamore.info a lot of dollamore going on i don't know how i feel about this i need some like come buy or shit.com or you know something yeah good times we love you guys we'll see you next time for Brittany page i am jesse dollamore and this has been 
the eventual. I doubt it. They're just as bad as the death threats. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. (laughs) 